You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with Travis Ryer on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. This is Southern Fried Sports with Bama Online Senior Analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Sports on your home for University of Alabama Athletics, Tide 100.9 FM. Travis Ryer, fresh from Ryer O'Rama 2021, the annual beach trip with the fam, uh, ready to rejoin you here on the program, which of course, as always, presented to you by Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. Those great camps, those great summer camps continue on. I've had a nice run of birthday parties. Get-togethers there at Peterbrook Chocolatier. You can do yours at Peterbrook. Give them a call, 205-752-0211. And, of course, each and every day they're going to have that outstanding, outstanding chocolate. The champions of chocolate there at Peterbrook Chocolatier, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Joined on the program by the executive producer, the wonderfully talented, versatile Jacob Harrison, who did an outstanding job sitting in for me last week here on the program. But once again, we can bind a form. The 60-minute balloon of Sports Talk Radio. Jacob, thank you so much for your service last week. Yeah, thanks for the opportunity. We had a lot of fun on here. I'm sure. I'm sure. Had a lot of fun down at Crescent Beach. I think it's like the 40th anniversary of the Ryers congregating there in Crescent Beach, Florida. If you don't know Crescent Beach, Atlantic Ocean side. We're not over there. We're not down there in Destin, you know, with everybody else on the white sand beaches of the Gulf of Mexico. We're on the Atlantic side, just a little bit south of St. Augustine, Florida, the ancient city, St. Augustine, Florida. And each and every year, the Ryers, in some sort of numbers, get together. Pops, of course, leading the way. Nana is the glue person on the whole deal. If it wasn't for Nana, this tradition probably would have ended 30 years ago. And probably should have. She probably, I mean, if we're going to be honest on this Monday, if we're going to start the week off by being transparent, Nana probably should have left Pops in her wake about 30 years ago. So this should have ended a long time ago when you just talk about the contributions of Nana and how much she means to that week. But we did it again, and you go down there, you expect it to be a little bit a little bit volatile at times, if I'm going to be honest with you. You just don't know what you're going to get because you've got some strong personalities involved, certainly pops at the top of that list, and that did not fail to deliver last week. I was almost involved in a... Anchorman-like showdown between newscast personnel. Remember in Anchorman where they had the big standoff between the three or four news crews? We almost had one of those of our own late last week on a golf course in Northeast Florida. Uh, We were able to avoid that, thankfully, because of slow play. Of course, it's always about slow play on the golf course, right? You get behind that group on the first tee, and... It's not that they're not very good golfers because, look, most of us aren't in our own right. It's the lack of awareness, the lack of an understanding of golf etiquette, right? When you have three groups backed up behind you, 
and it's only the fifth hole, it's time to start letting some people play through. A member of our foursome made that extremely clear to the offending foursome in front of us from about the 150-yard marker while this group in front was putting. That's when the message was sent. (laughs) And it was received about as well as you would expect. And it resulted in this sort of seven-iron standoff, I could call it, on the preceding tee. But we got through it. We got through it, thankfully. Everybody still had their chiclets in place. Uh, When we did actually play through the group, we did actually get through. And then Pops, you know, he's out and about in St. Augustine with a couple of the granddaughters. And he gets into this sort of borderline road rage incident on Saturday. So that's kind of the way the, the trip ended up. I hope to have come back rested, relaxed, rejuvenated, ready to go for a little bit of a stretch run here. But I don't I don't really know if the way that trip ended qualified for any of that. 205-342-9904. That is the Peter Brook Chocolatier studio line. If you would like to jump on board, it is also a winners and losers Monday here on the program. So we'll get into some of that around the sports world from pretty much over the weekend. I was a big winner, I felt like, in not being here last week because name, image, and likeness dominated the conversation. And it's not that I don't appreciate the impact of what's about to go down with all that. I do. I do. I think for a lot of the sports fans, the biggest issue is they're going to ruin the nostalgia of the sport for so many of these fans that have been around, right? 40, 50 years old. There's always been this veil of amateurism, at least, that is almost like the belief in Santa Claus. You know, you know, you know the real deal when it comes to Santa Claus, but you try to keep that image sacred and, and safe in your mind. And a lot of people have done that with college athletics for years. These are still just college kids without really addressing the fact that it is a billion-dollar industry, okay? So that that's what the deal is, I think, for a lot of fans. And I've said it before, when it comes to name, image, and likeness, who can speak definitively about what's to come down the pike? No one can. No one can. So we don't really, really know. Uh, it's to be determined. You know, student athletes are about to benefit from their name, image, and likeness. Schools are trying their best to kind of work on their own platforms of handling this, Alabama and others, for a multitude of reasons. It's here. Whether the schools and the programs like it or not, it is here. And so you better come to some semblance of reality that this is where we're headed, and you're better off as a school and an athletic department to provide platforms for your student athletes because it's going to help you continue to attract the top student athletes on the recruiting front, but also it might help keep some of the cash in house. You know, instead of the student athletes being totally separate from the universities and having their own sort of branding and, you know, endorsement type of setups, that's this separate entity. You're smart to partner with these young people. You're going to try to keep some of that, sponsorship cash in-house that is going to be going to student-athletes on an individual basis moving forward. So we just don't know. But that was a big win for me last week, not being around for all the NIL talk. And again, I appreciate it. I understand. Big deal. But I can't sit here and tell you I know exactly how it's going to play out. 205-342-9904. You had a big official visit weekend at the University of Alabama. Once again, a big, big crew of five-star sort of presence there. Hank South, our colleague at BamaOnline.com. He has been all over that deal all weekend at BamaOnline.com. Nothing public that has come of it as of this point in terms of New verbal commitments for the Alabama Crimson Tide, but a big, big weekend. What about JT Tui Malau, the five-star defensive end from the Pacific Northwest? No showing for his anticipated official visit to the University of Alabama. Apparently, JT down to four. JT going to compromise, you think? 
you know, there was so much talk about Ohio State and Alabama. You think it's going to be Oregon or something like that when it ultimately comes down to it for JT Tuiamalau or JTT, as it's more easily referred to. Uh, it kind of has that feel to it. He did make the trip to Ohio State, so you have to take the Buckeyes with a strong level of seriousness, but um, you've kind of wondered that all along. I always do with California, Northwest Pacific uh, kids. When it ultimately comes down to it, and as much as they'll talk about SEC, maybe Ohio State, Notre Dame, places like that, uh, do they stay closer to home? We're going to find that out here, I think, pretty soon with JT Tuiamalao as we move forward. you got the College World Series. Talk about a big loser, unfortunately, from over the weekend. NC State baseball, that's a tough, tough out. For the Wolfpack with COVID, with COVID protocols coming into play, hell of an effort by NC State. I don't know how you watched that NC State Vanderbilt game on Friday in the winners or in the in that side of the bracket. NC State had to be beaten twice by Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt beats a 13-man roster for NC State. Three to one, and then we find out later that evening that NC State's out altogether after continued testing revealed multiple additional positive tests within the program. Tough, tough, tough way to go out for the NC State Wolfpack. But you know what? Not so tough that we still can't have capacity crowds at Rosenblatt Stadium throughout the tournament. Not so serious that we can't have maskless, maskless capacity crowds at Rosenblatt Stadium. Another little bit of a contradictory message from the NC2A. We can disqualify a team over COVID standards, but, you know, we've sold all these tickets, you know, to all these fans. We're at unlimited capacity. We could really use that cash. And also, by the way, Our TV partner in all this, ESPN, they expect that content uh, to keep going. And so it did. It was interesting once NC State was disqualified, my initial thought was, well, what if NC State would have won that game Friday? What if NC State eliminates Vanderbilt on Friday and then in an hour or two is deemed disqualified? from the championship series, which gets underway tonight out in Omaha. What happens then? I saw where Baseball America did a little bit of research or a little bit of digging on it. And apparently, if that had played out that way, Mississippi State would already be uh, your national champions by virtue of being essentially the last team standing. NC State disqualified, eliminated. Had they eliminated Vanderbilt? And that pesky Vanderbilt Whistler. And now they're saying there might be multiple Whistlers in that role. Multiple Whistlers. One is just not enough when it comes to the Vanderbilt Whistler. We need a couple, apparently. And so if it had played out that way, Mississippi State, by virtue of its defining win on its side of the bracket on Saturday night out in Omaha, would be your national champions right now because there wouldn't be a championship series. You can't resuscitate Vanderbilt after the Commodores have been eliminated. So it's kind of a loss. It's a tough break for Mississippi State on a couple different levels because by virtue of not having to play the second game, the Ifness game against NC State, Vanderbilt also saves Jack Leiter. You got 1A and 1B when it comes to your starters for Vanderbilt. Kumar Rocker and Jack Leiter. They're right there together, essentially. And so Vanderbilt was going to throw Jack Leiter in that Saturday game against NC State, but instead, since the uh, the the Commodores did not have to play, now Mississippi State gets to see Jack Leiter in game one. I guess that's how. I mean, I can't imagine Tim Corbin not throwing Jack Leiter in game one tonight. And maybe even if it goes to three games in this series, you see Kamar Rocker in a third game. He pitched Friday, Saturday, Sunday, today, tomorrow. He'd had four days rest. 
going into that Wednesday championship game, that defining game, that best of three game, if it comes down to it. So Mississippi State coming up on the short end. Vanderbilt, very fortunate, as if Vanderbilt needs any extra help, right? I mean, with the scholarship situation, the numbers working the way they do for Vanderbilt, uh, the, the the Commodores don't really need a lot of extra help, but they got it by virtue of NC State's unfortunate DQ at the 2021 College World Series. And Mississippi State, give them a lot of credit. They earned it. They earned to be in this spot. You know, you beat Texas, second-ranked team in the country, two of three. But again, now, because of having to play that Saturday game against Texas, pitching a little more depleted, for Mississippi State, but if you're Mississippi State, you're hanging on the hope that Vanderbilt hasn't exactly been an offensive juggernaut in the College World Series to this point. Got one nothing by NC State. Got 3 one by NC State pitching staff on Friday that had four available arms. And when you look at Vandy and Mississippi State in this championship series, you see a couple teams that have done well with Alabama players. Just look at Tanner Allen this year. For Mississippi State. And he's not alone. From Mobile to Huntsville, Mississippi State and Vandy. Roberto Vaz's kid starting in the outfield for Vanderbilt. You know, need to start keep a few more of those kids home. It's hard enough. It's hard enough with the scholarship numbers being what they are and the lottery situation being what it is in Alabama compared to most states in the Southeastern Conference. but uh, So you'll have that getting underway tonight out in Omaha. Going to take our first break. We come back. More winners and losers from the sports weekend when Southern Fried Sports returns on a Monday presented by Peter Brook Chocolatier right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. The Alabama football countdown clock is driven by Crawford Insurance, Tuscaloosa's low-cost auto insurer. Call 752-6489 for a free quote today. There are there are there are 68 days until Alabama football. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. We could see a few isolated showers or storms through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 72. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered showers and storms becoming more numerous. The high, 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 86 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9. For more coverage of Alabama football, visit us at Tide 100.9.com. Or download the free Tide 100.9 app. The Crimson Tide will not be Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, with you, 205-342-9904. That is the telephone number if you'd like to check in with us on this Monday. We're going to get into some Alabama players who could really use strong off-seasons to continue to position themselves for roles of significance looking ahead to the 2021 college football season. Work on that coming up here in just a little bit. Jacob, did you see where my guy Tim Tebow got passed over for tight end you over the weekend? Yeah. The haters, man. Yeah, sure did. That kind of makes sense, though. <laughs> <laughs> 
What do you mean it makes sense? He is the number six tight end on the Jags roster currently. How does that make sense, Jacob? He's in position to be the number six tight end, from what I'm told anyway. Now, I don't know. Here's the thing about Tim Tebow. That's a viewpoint of some other people I talk to when it comes to Tim Tebow. Now, in the viewpoint of uh, Urban Meyer, he could be the third tight end. But no love for Tim Tebow at tight end you. George Kittle, man, what a hater. Such a hater. What does George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and those guys know about being tight ends? Anyway, Jacob, did did the Steelers have representation at tight end you? I didn't, yeah. I didn't see. Yeah, Eric Ebron. Well, yeah, he should be there. Eric Ebron, the former North Carolina Tar Heel and Detroit Lion, right? Boy, how about Eric Ebron? He escaped from Detroit? Still relevant? That's pretty solid. Pretty solid. Ebron's a good target. Nice target. You've got some decent targets in Pittsburgh. Um, Jacob, Juju, Claypool. You got some speed on the outside, too. Ebron's a solid tight end. Now you got Najee. How would you give me a letter grade for the skill people around Ben Roethlisberger going into the season compared to the letter grade you would give to Ben going into the season himself? What are the letter grades for Ben Roethlisberger and then the people around him? Are the people around him less of a concern for you, Jacob Harrison, than the man himself pulling the trigger? Um, if, if you stick strictly to the skill position, then then yes, they're they're perfectly fine. They're young. They're set up. You know, is nowhere to go but but up because they're so young and because they're so good. Uh, and with Ben himself, he still got it. I don't know how much longer he's gonna have it, but he still got it to a degree. Uh, he can still lead the team pretty deep into a pl- on a playoff run. What concerns me now is the offensive line because uh, David DeCastro is probably about to retire, and even if he doesn't, uh, he was released in the middle of last week. So now the Steelers are basically replacing the entire offensive line because the only returning offensive lineman is moving from right tackle to left tackle. So uh, that's the big concern is the offensive line. But letter grades, uh, to answer the question, I'd probably give a B-plus to the skill positions, a C to – Ben himself, but I'm giving a big old fat F to that offensive line right now. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, Ben needs to be protected. Thing is, Ben will stand in there, sometimes to his detriment, from a health perspective. He's a big physical dude. He is kind of a redwood in there. He's had good enough mobility throughout the years, so. A guy who you talk about instincts in the pocket and able to make some different types of throws off-platform. He doesn't look like he would do a lot of that, at least in the past he could do it. And now you just wonder if he's got any of that in the tank, especially with the offensive line situation being what Jacob just outlined for us up there in the Steel City. 205-342-9904. If you like the pro golf on the cable, well, you got more than an added bonus yesterday at the Travelers up in the Hartford, Connecticut area. Eight-hole playoff. Just play a damn emergency nine. Just play just play the nine. You know, just play it out. Play nine holes. They almost did that, Harris English and Kramer Hickok. Harris English a couple of times, because of his attachment, his connection to the University of Georgia, boy, he had me close to making some really, really bad tweets during that playoff. Yeah, I was kind of hoping that Bubba Watson – and Harris English would make the playoff because then I could I could have tweeted English and Bubba in the playoff. No way Georgia can blow this one because they both went to Georgia. I mean, it was a shoe in. And there were a couple times you thought Harris English was going to UGA it all up. But he hung in there. Kramer Hickok, a relative unknown to this point of his professional career, former Texas Longhorn, yet a Georgia-Texas playoff on the PGA Tour yesterday. Uh, showed a lot of moxie, had a par putt on about the sixth playoff hole where it looked like he was pretty much out of it. He drains it. Harris tightened up a little bit, got the lemon booty. Harris English did missed about a six footer for birdie. So they kept playing. They just played and played and played before Harris English finally won it with a birdie on the eighth playoff hole. 
And there were people I know that weren't especially pleased with the playoff because it was just a lot of pars, you know, pretty much par, 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 and then English makes the winning birdie. I thought it was great. I enjoyed it. Give me all that free playoff golf you want to give me. And that's what we got from Harris English and Kramer Hickok yesterday up in the Northeast. Also, with the NBA playoffs, tough loss at home last night for your Atlanta Hawks at the hands of the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, the road teams in the NBA playoffs to this point been pretty big winners as far as the conference finals are concerned, especially the conference finals. Uh, in the Eastern and Western Conference playoffs to this point, Eastern and Western Conference Championship Series, uh, three and two, the road teams. So home hasn't been especially good to those four teams to this point. Hawks now down 2-1. That series back on serve after the Hawks won a road game in Milwaukee, and then they come right home. And the bigger concern, obviously, Trey Young and that ankle. Sprang the ankle last night. We'll see. We'll see how he bounces back from that. We're going to step aside to another break. We come back more of a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports right here on Tide 100.9 FM right after this. You're listening to Southern Fried Sports with BamaOnline.com senior analyst Travis Ryer on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Travis Ryer, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com with you. A little 80s playlist mix for you. The own own personal 80s playlist mix. Yeah, a little flock of seagulls from about, I don't know, 83, 84 or so. The boys dropped this one. Yeah. Did see some good live music on the aforementioned vacation. Was able to check out Patterson Hood, founding member, of course, of Drive-By Truckers, Florence, Alabama native. Saw a solo show late last week with Patterson. He was outstanding. Drive-By Truckers about to get back out on the road. It's all happening in the live music world. Festivals coming back online, bands back on stages, Tuscaloosa Amp, going to have some great shows coming up for you. For West Central Alabama, yeah, good stuff. Look forward to it in the coming weeks. Going to see Jason Isbell in the 400 unit here in a couple weeks as well. Patterson was great. Patterson's a storyteller, no doubt about that. 205-342-9904, that is the Peterbrook Chocolatier Studio Line. If you'd like to jump on board with us, you are welcome to do so. Uh, You know, we were talking about Alabama's big football recruiting weekend. You had Ty Simpson. He's already committed the five-star quarterback for Martin, Tennessee. Uh, from what I could gather from Hank South, our recruiting analyst there at BamaOnline.com, Ty pretty much set up shop in Tuscaloosa throughout the month of June. Should start to settle down a little bit as you get into July. But it was interesting to see that you look at Alabama's commitment list right now and you see Emmanuel Henderson the nation's top-ranked running back, number one running back in the country from little old Hartford, Alabama, down there in Geneva County. Emmanuel Henderson, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite, the top running back prospect for the 2022 cycle. And then, of course, a couple weeks ago, 
Alabama picks up a commitment from Le'Veon Moss, who, according to the 24-7 Sports Composite rankings, the fifth-ranked running back prospect for the 2022 cycle. And you think, well, Alabama's got to be done at running back because it looked like a class where Alabama might just take one. They've loaded up pretty good at the running back position here in recent years. Kamar Wheaton most recently, but you had the three running back class um, in 2020. Now you've lost Kyle Edwards from that trio. So from the 2020 group, you're down to, you know, a couple of guys. That's, that's, that's kind of where you're at. Uh, Roy Dell Williams, Jace McClellan. Uh, you're still wondering about Trey Sanders coming back from his latest injury. So you start breaking it down in that sort of way. And look, there's room for a couple of running backs, but still Alabama with two commits right now for the upcoming cycle, the current cycle. Couple things though. Nicholas Singleton, the sixth ranked running back in the 24 7 sports composite rankings for 2022 was in town over the weekend and apparently had a great visit told Hank South or told the told the 24 seven sports uh, staff Brian Doan actually I believe it was that Alabama strengthened its position for his services you look at his crystal ball scenario right now and he's got a couple of crystal balls Nicholas Singleton does from reading Pennsylvania to Notre Dame where the hell is Penn State in all this I mean Penn State's supposed to be, in addition to linebacker you or used to be, running back you, right? Remember all the great running backs? Uh, Saquon Barkley here, just a few years back. But uh, Notre Dame, the current favorite for Singleton services. But again, you look at this two-commitment class already, a couple of things come to mind. Emmanuel Henderson, we've been told time after time, 6'1", 185 a guy that some schools view more as an athlete than just a running back. So he's a guy who could play a number of different positions if it comes down to it. And with Le'Veon Moss, apparently Le'Veon continues to look around. And you remember the saying by Nick Saban. Gosh, been a few years ago now. You shop, we shop. So uh, Alabama not slowing down in its quest for at least another running back to go along with Emmanuel Henderson. And again, if you ended up with these three guys, you've got some flexibility with Emmanuel Henderson. But if I were to venture a guess, I would say right now, the recruitment of Singleton probably tied in more to Le'Veon Moss, maybe sniffing around some other places as well. 205 342 9904 is the Peterbrook Chocolatier studio line. I said earlier in the show we'd get into some Alabama players in need of strong offseason. Some guys who came out of spring practice in pretty good shape, but 8A wasn't maybe as revealing as it typically is because you had so many guys out. You had 20-plus guys out for the spring game. So you saw some guys working with, say, the first group, on offense or defense, and you kind of had to you had to balance it with who wasn't there as much as who was. I thought the offensive line was that sort of situation. Uh, obviously not having Emil Echior at his starting guard position played into that. But a guy like Tommy Brown, now, I don't know at this point what more Tommy Brown can do. I mean, he's like three or four years into the program. Tommy Brown physically – you can always improve, and when you've got a program, a sports science set up now like Alabama has with David Ballou and Dr. Matt Ray, you, you can continue to improve. I know just look at Evan Neal for more on that. If you go to the Bama online homepage right now, um, I think Charlie Potter uh, has an update on Evan Neal, and according to Dr. Matt Ray, Evan Neal hit a certain wattage. Don't ask me. Don't ask me to explain the science, okay? I'm just explaining to you what Dr. Matt Ray reported. That based on the wattage of Evan Neal's most recent split jump at 6'7", 360 pounds, no less, Matt Ray 
was compelled to tweet that it was the highest number in terms of watts. 5,808 watts, whatever that means. But Dr. Matt Ray said that's the, the highest number he's ever seen for a split jump. So, yeah, yeah, you can continue to improve. Evan Neal's been proof of that. But for Tommy Brown, you know, continuing to try to cement your case for one of those starting guard positions, I'll give you a guy that you would think would be a slam dunk to be a starting defensive lineman for this 2021 defense. LeBron Ray, really to no fault of his own, he just needs to get back to full strength, get the elbow right. It'll be a great sign if you hear or see LeBron Ray in preseason work come August without that big cumbersome elbow brace. LeBron Ray, man, he's due at this point. Basically, four years of just dealing with different ailments. I think Jalen Armour Davis is in that boat as well. Made a strong account of himself in spring drills as the potential starter opposite Josh Joe. He, too, coming off a serious injury early in his career, that knee injury a couple of years ago, looked great in the spring, really good in the A-Day game. Jalen Armour Davis made life especially tough for Javon Baker and those Alabama wide receivers uh, back on A-Day. I think Cam Latou needs to continue to build on it at the tight end position. He's positioned himself nicely to be the complimentary tight end to go along with Jalil Billingsley. I don't know if the competition right now is exactly what the Alabama staff would like at tight end once you get beyond Cam Latou. It's not to say Cam Latou hasn't reached a point where he is capable and deserving of the kind of role that he was put in in the spring, but I know they would like to see some more out of some other guys at that position, and maybe Robbie Utes as a true freshman will be someone who can give them some of that. You do have Major Tennyson back. You know, you have been able in recent years and the wild card and all that at tight end. And that's why Latou, probably as much as anything, we wonder about his ability as a wide, as a receiver, but as an edge-setting tight end in the run game, that's where you got to see it from Cam Latou. Because if you don't, and Kendall Randolph ends up not being the guy at right tackle, you know who's going to be in that 85 jersey come the Miami game, right? Kendall Randolph. Made six starts at tight end last year. We talked about Trey Sanders just a moment ago. Obviously big for him to continue to develop. Kendall Randolph's in that boat too, trying to win that right tackle job. But that's where you connect some dots with him and the newcomers. J.C. Latham, Tommy Brockermeyer, so many of these offensive linemen you could throw on this list. Javion Cohen, Damian George. I mean, all these guys are in the mix as that competition at multiple spots on that offensive line continues over into July and when we look ahead to fall camp. Going to step aside for a final break. We'll give you a couple other guys that we're interested in where continued development is concerned for this Alabama roster when Southern Fried Sports returns right after this. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. The sky partly to mostly sunny this afternoon. We could see a few isolated showers or storms through the evening hours. The high today, 90. Tonight's low, 72. Tomorrow, a mix of sun and clouds with scattered showers and storms becoming more numerous. The high, 87. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 87 degrees in Tuscaloosa. The flagship station for Alabama Crimson Tide football. Alabama touchdown. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.
about Kamala uh, 2 in a tight end position in the previous segment. You look at the recruiting rankings, man. The tight ends just don't get a lot of love anymore. Hard to be a high four or a five star. Where that position is concerned. Alabama in the last week picked up the commitment from Amari Nyblack, who's listed as an athlete according to 247sports.com, 6'4", Had a great camp, apparently, at Alabama. Picked up an offer, quickly decided that he would join the mix for the 2022 class. You've got Elijah Brown already committed to Alabama. Now, he is a four, the nation's number 12-ranked tight end. He is a four-star coming out of Dayton, Ohio, but tough, tough these days for tight ends. Just not the position, the position that was coveted. Or, uh, you see more of these guys, though, like Amari Nye Black and Elijah Brown and Jalil Billingsley, who comes to mind when you when you see Amari Nye Black, especially, uh, the different things they can do. A lot of these guys playing wide receiver in high school, for the most part. Flexed out, split out. Elijah Brown, 6'5", 230. You watch his tape, you see him split out. You know, Nyblock's obviously going to be able to do that, you would think. But uh, it's tough. Tough on the tight ends. Also, something else I wanted to ask Jacob Harrison about. You look at the Alabama home games for the upcoming season in the month of October. Jacob Harrison, you can pick one game to go to at Bryant-Denny Stadium in October. Ole Miss or the traditional rival, the University of Tennessee? Is that even a difficult choice for you anymore? Uh, No. (laughs) I'd rather go (laughs) see the competitive matchup with Ole Miss. (laughs) Isn't that something, man? That's something else. Because what got, got me on that wavelength was our oldest our son Evan uh, lives out in Montana, but he wants to go to one game in October. And uh, he was asking about our tickets and, and things like that. And, you know, I figured he's bringing some friends from Montana, right? So, man, he wants the story, traditional rivalry, third Saturday. I don't know. Is it the third again this year? Or is it the fourth? Uh, whatever. He wants that that long it's become irrelevant totally irrelevant the 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 quote rivalry with tennessee going for 15 in a row alabama over the vols and so he he asked about the tickets i'm saying well i'm guessing you want the tennessee game he goes no dad actually my pals are they're more fired up about Ole miss because of lane kiffin these guys they they know about lane kiffin out in Butte, Montana. So those were the tickets he wanted. Alabama, Ole Miss. And really not, as you said, not really all that close. Something else I've been hearing here in the last week or so is, once again, we're on that topic about Georgia talent. Georgia talent, right? Dogs are talented enough to beat every team in the SEC. Well, yeah. Georgia's been that way pretty much every year. For about a decade and a half, right? How's this year any different? But, man, my trust level for the Georgia Bulldogs right now is at an all-time low. Because you can talk to me about the recruiting rankings, and I get it. I I know what they are. But then when I think about where's the player development really been for Georgia, and I look at the defensive side of the ball, and, again, I see – Five-star Orama. But where are the stars? Where are the stars on this Georgia defense? N'Kobe Dean, a star this year, and especially up front on that defensive line. For the guys that they sign between defensive line and also the outside linebacker positions, the edge positions, where's the star power at? For all these recruiting battle wins that Kirby Smart has. 
I continue to get asked about that Georgia-Clemson matchup in Charlotte. And again, I don't have enough trust in Georgia, even with that roster, to pick them to beat Clemson. Even with JT Daniels settled in, coming off that strong performance down the stretch of the 2020 season, heroic, not necessarily great in the Peach Bowl win over Cincinnati, but when he needed to make the plays, he made them. So you like that about Georgia offensively. I still continue to wonder about the skill positions, especially with the injuries the dogs have piled up. But as much as anything, and you can tell me, well, look at their defense. They're set up to carry that team. Are they really set up to do that in the secondary? I know they've done some nice things in the transfer portal, but they've also been hit by the NFL draft and the transfer portal going the other way. Should I have trust issues with Georgia's defense given Kirby Smart's background? I don't think so. The best thing I like about Georgia's defense is probably the young coordinator, Dan Lanning. I think he's the real deal. That being said, if we just talk about player development, I'm left to wonder where the hell is it for all this talent that continues to pass through Athens, Georgia. Are they really as dominant as they should be or would be? You look at Alabama, conversely, and you see what's coming back, and you go, oh, geez, this might be one of Saban's top three or four defenses in his time at UA because you trust that if the talent is in place, especially experienced talent like Alabama welcomes back, that that's very much going to translate into dominance relative to what that means defensively in 2021 for the upcoming season. I don't have that same feeling about Georgia. I just don't. And we talk about the Alabama defense and previous segment, we got into some guys that really need to sort of springboard into fall camp coming up here. I think Henry Toa Toa is one of those guys, not even so much in terms of his ability, but he has some things he can certainly clean up in his own play. And then also how much can you entrust with him in terms of signal calling and making calls? I would think you'd feel okay about that given his background at Tennessee and the carryover that there will be from Jeremy Pruitt's defense to Alabama's. I think outside linebacker depth, You've got some guys that really need to assert themselves, step forward. You came out of spring practice knowing full well that your top two guys are your top two guys. Will Anderson, Christopher Allen, you know, no need to even question that. But, you know, who are your next guys up at outside linebacker? Could be based on situational roles. It's certainly been that way in the past. Chris Braswell, as impressive as he was in the A-Day game as an edge rusher, he's still not to a point physically where you feel good if Anderson or Allen goes down that, okay, against some teams out there that will still go to some heavy formations like LSU, Florida, you might be able to even throw into that mix as well early in the season. He's going to hold up in the run game. So Drew Sanders, you know, he's a guy that needs to take that step forward. Kind of now or never stretch coming up for King Wakuda at outside linebacker. And then you continue to have just this influx of annual talent, elite talent. Dallas Turner coming on campus now. Uh, A lot of dudes at the outside linebacker position. So that'll be another area where you have some guys that you're eyeballing, not so much, again, as your frontline players, but as your depth providers and potential situational players. But I also think that's where your depth at inside linebacker, if you're not quite there with some of those guys on the outside, there's going to be some ways in which Pete Golding, because he has Jalen Moody, to go along with Christian Harris and Henry Toa Toa, wouldn't surprise me to see three of those guys out there together. Because you can do some things 
with uh, uh, with Christian Harris as a pass rusher. And then if you're in Dime Rabbits, you could certainly leave uh, Henry Toa Toa or Jalen Moody out there because Jalen Moody has reached a point in his development where he sort of shedded that tag or that label as a thumper. Jalen Moody, the first couple of years, you watched him and you thought, okay, this guy will be fine in the base defense between the tackles, playing the run, but what if you get him matched up in the flat on a running back? You know, is he going to be okay in space? I thought he showed you in limited opportunities last season and then again in the 8A game that he has taken that next step towards being an every-down inside linebacker, and that's before we get into, again, similar to quality talent, elite talent, depth-wise at outside linebacker, same thing inside. Deontay Lawson coming for everything, maybe, as a true freshman. (laughs) Very impressive dude. You got guys like Des Moines Kennedy you can do some different things with inside. I think Ian Jackson in time is going to be a nice player. Jackson Bratton, solid. So, uh, yeah, a lot of linebacker talent you can spread around for this Alabama defense in 2021. That's going to do it for a Monday edition of Southern Fried Sports. It is also, by the way, the anniversary of Iron Mike Tyson taking a chunk out of Evander Holyfield's ear 24 years ago today. One of the where were you moments in heavyweight boxing history. A lot of fun on the show today. Thanks to Jacob Harrison for producing it. The lunch whistle on this Monday. Southern Alehouse, 1530 McFarland Boulevard, North of the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa. They're going to take care of those Mondays for you. If you got a case of the Mondays, go out to Southern Alehouse either for lunch right now. The Yardbird chicken sandwich fixes what ails you. I promise you. Great happy hour options there at Southern Ale House coming up later this afternoon. And then, of course, dinner as well. Southern Ale House, 1530 McFarland Boulevard North. Until 11 a.m. on Tuesday. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody. <laughs>